Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, um, I have a new friend with me. Her name is Ina G. Hi, Ina. How are you? Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, it's so great to meet you. Um, we've got connected through a mutual friend, and um, I just feel honored that you'd be with be here with me tonight. So thank you. No worries. Like, thank you for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's my pleasure. Okay, so Ina, let's just get right to it. Um, could you tell me what it is that you do? Okay. So sometimes that feels like a loaded question. Um, but I'm basically a program management official at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So, you know, a lot of times people are like, what does that mean? And for me, it's basically just overseeing um, kind of the programmatic administrative functions, whether it's like personnel, budget, um, you know, kind of looking at all aspects of our operations. Um, so, it's a lot of little things um, at once, just looking at um, across like our resources, basically. Okay, so um, I feel like you gave a really good summary. However, I'm going to ask for a little more detail just so that <laughs> just so that I can understand your job a little bit better. So you work for the CDC and basically you kind of... Um, take all the administrative stuff in. Like, I remember you mentioned before, too, you kind of help people allocate resources as well. Is that mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Okay. Could you give me, like, an example mm-hmm. of what it is? Sure. So, like, resources can mean, like, people or money. So, for example, um, you know, we have staff, um, and some of our staff are fellows. So, every year we onboard um, fellows, one of the fellows is the epidemic intelligence service officers. So they're like kind of the fellows that you'll see on the front lines of an outbreak. You know, they're the first ones there to kind of gather information or to collect data, kind of um, get, you know, ahead of everybody to, to see what they can do to kind of help. So that's one of our fellowships that we have in our program. Um, so what that means is we kind of look every year at how much money we have and how much money equals how many additional fellows we can have every year. So um, like in our division, we have the office of the director where I'm housed in, and then we have three branches. Mm. So it's kind of like OD and then three branches. So one of the branches has fellowships and then another branch does like training. Um, and then of course the other uh, branch also has fellowships. So it's kind of just looking across the division, always at a higher, uh, I guess a higher level of mm-hmm you know, for this year, this is how much money we have to work with. Um, how many additional fellows can we hire? If that makes sense? No, it does make sense. So, I mean, um, I mean, are you dealing with a lot of numbers then all, all day long? Yeah. And it's ironic because, um, I was actually a journalism major in college and (laughs) I hate it. I'm bad at math. And so I break that stereotype of Asians being good at math. And I'm like, I don't even know how I got in this field of like math and science related stuff when I was like more into like writing and, you know, um, kind of just being a reporter. That's what I wanted to do. So it's kind of ironic that I'm in this field, but, um, yeah, so it's... Oh, that is so interesting. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we're going to have to hear that backstory in a minute. <laughs> but before we get to that, um, 
So can you, I know you kind of um, gave us a detail, more detail of the example of allocating resources, but does your day-to-day look different every day or can you kind of take us through a typical day for you maybe? Sure. I mean, for me, it's basically what are the fires of the day and Mm. those fires can look like, um, I mean, it can be anything from like, we have, um, you know, such and such amount of money that we have to work with, but we need to not only hire fellows, but we need, you know, more training for the division or we have other like requests that we receive. And so it's kind of like, it's really about prioritization of issues or things that come up Mm. Um, as far as like problem solving. It could be something as simple as, you know, um, I need more space for my staff on the floor. And then I have to look at the floor plan and kind of talk with them about like, so-and-so can sit here. Or it could be like, listen, we have a contract that we we need to get out the door. Um, Do we have enough money? So It's, it's like all these like little requests that you just prioritize of like, what is the most urgent or what needs to be resolved today? As far as you know, it could be like, I need a place to sit or I need more money kind of thing. Oh, so interesting. (laughs) So like, everyone knows that they're supposed to come to you for those kind of problems. It's like, I will be the starting point. And then thankfully, I have a team. So like I have um, a really awesome administrative officer and she really does a lot of the fires, like putting out of the fires. Um, so she's more of like the subject matter expert and stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm just like, go to Loretta. But um, <laughs> she, she also has a team of like six people under her who kind of help with that. So it's like, I have to decide if it is something that can be resolved within my capacity or my team's capacity I see. or, you know, d- d- re- like refer them to somebody else. So interesting, man. I just, I feel like there must be so many different, um, how do I say this? Like, I mean, when I think of the CDC, right, I just think of like COVID. Has not suit. Yeah, has not <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like the CDC is here when I watch TV <laughs> and stuff like, and, and I, there are so many different aspects that I didn't even realize need to happen. But even what you said, like, you know, um, allocating fellows to certain like places when an outbreak or a virus happens. Like I didn't even realize someone, I mean, obviously someone would need to send them there, but mm-hmm. it's really cool that you can look at the bigger picture and be able to understand where those resources need to go and mm-hmm. how much of it you can give. That's really cool. Um, well, I feel like the obvious question that we kind of meant, talked about before we started recording is, um, COVID. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, first of all, thank you for being part of this humongous team um, that has been able to keep us safe to the the best of your ability and uh, the capacity that you are able to. And I'm so grateful. Even if you're like not directly, I feel like you're directly if you're working for CDC. (laughs) So thank you for that. But yeah, um, how has it impacted your job specifically? So, um, you know, for us, because we have a lot of fellows and a lot of them are involved in their states or territories, wherever they're located, because Mm -hmm. um, they're located um, throughout the country, they are, you know, on the first line of the response. Mm -hmm. So for us, we've gotten a lot more money this year to help with getting more fellows in our um, division to help, but also to kind of ramp up whatever systems or training that we need for our staff as well. 
So it, it's kind of like when it rains, it pours. And, you know, in the past few years, we've kind of had like a level budget, you know, maybe it was like $40 million. And depending on like how big your program is at CDC, like that is a lot of money or that's like a drop in the bucket. Um, so some places have like hundreds of millions of dollars every year. So for us, it was like, we got about 25 more million dollars this year. And wow. we're kind of like, all right, um, it's great. Right. Um, we've always had like wish lists of things that we wanted to do for our program, but mm. really this year it's that plus COVID. So, you know, how many more fellows can we hire or, you know, place in these states or how many more systems or trainings that we need that we can implement um, in a short amount of time. So for us, because our fiscal year is from October to September, mm -hmm. as soon as we get the money, it's kind of like we got to obligate as fast as we can. Um, and, and then that money like goes back to the treasury and then we have to oh. wait until the next fiscal year to get more money. So it's, it's been interesting. Like mm -hmm. it's been a good problem, I guess, to have, but mm -hmm. it's also been kind of stressful of like, all right, we got to get things out the door. We got to get contracts out the door. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I think for me, it was like um, exciting, you know? Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. That's so fascinating. I, so like um, upon, uh, okay. So did you know about COVID before it hit the U.S. then? I think like most people, I saw it on the news and uh -huh, okay. um, I was like, okay, what is this thing? I did not see any of those movies. Like, you know, like I didn't see Outbreak. I didn't yeah. see the one that they <laughs> actually filmed at CDC before, you know, everybody's like, did you see that? And I'm like, no, I didn't see it. Maybe it's a good thing I didn't. Um, but I saw that something was happening, you know, in another part of the world. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and before my current position, I worked in global HIV AIDS. So it was like, I went from traveling to a lot of countries for work, visiting um, partner sites or ministries of health to kind of a more domestic program. And wow. I thought that was going to be like easy breezy, you know, like it wasn't going to be like fires every day. The fires look different. Mm. Um, but with us, because we have these fellows, it's, it's a different kind of crazy, I feel like. So, um, for me, when I saw that, I was like, okay, that could get a little crazy, mm. but exactly how crazy, I didn't really expect it to be on that scale. Oh, wow. Um, so like for everybody at CDC, like it's been kind of all hands on deck, whether you're deployed directly or you're helping to cover for somebody who has been deployed. I see. Okay. And so, yeah, it's it's been interesting. And I did kind of like a one-month stint at the communications office just to do something a little different to help with the COVID um, outbreak. And it was interesting just hearing briefings or things that were going on like minute by minute. Um, oh, my goodness. So, it, yeah, it, I mean – it's a lot, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible to like, I feel like just um, be on the front lines in a way that I haven't thought of before. Cause you know, obviously in the news, nurses and medical staff, um, which I'm so grateful for has been kind of the heroes um, of this time because of just the situation. Mm -hmm. But listening to what you're saying too, it's like without what you guys are doing the unsung heroes, I guess, of, <laughs> of this uh, time of our life. Um, 
but you know, like you just said that you were doing all this like HIV and AIDS stuff before doing this. Um, well, now I'm going to ask you, like, how did you end up at the CDC and um, at this job um, doing what you're doing now? Because and then you even said you're you were a journalism major. I'm so int- I'm so like curious <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> okay, let's rewind a little. Yes. Bit. <laughs> I mean, when I was in grade school, I think my parents like really tried to encourage me to do things that they saw that I took an interest in. Mm. And, you know, like math and science, like I said, not really interested. Um, I did some like creative writing stuff and they were like, oh, maybe she wants to be a writer. Um, so in high school, my parents encouraged me to kind of do the newspaper club. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, whatever. But I did it for a couple of years. And I really enjoyed it. Um, wow. I enjoyed writing stories, like kind of like what you do, but on paper, you know, like interviewing people, talking to people, getting to know uh, what they're about. And so yeah. when I went to UGA, I was like, all right, I think I'm going to try that journalism route. Um, you know, it seems like something that I can see myself doing long term ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, when I got to my major classes, and I just really took an interest in it and I was like, man, this is something that I really do enjoy, like, um, doing. So it was, it was kind of a shock to me, like, after I graduated UGA, I was like, I didn't have a job lined up. So I was mm-hmm. like, what do I do? Um, and I, I'm from Gwinnett County. So I just happened to just do a lot of searches of like internships or, you know, what can I do right now? Um, so I got a gig at the Gwinnett Daily Post. Um, really? <laughs> for free. So it was like a free internship. And I was like, I'll just take it for the experience and go from there. And I think they felt sorry for me because they started paying me like $6 an hour. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. (laughs) So I got a, you know, semi-paid internship and I loved it because like more specifically, my major was magazine, um, like print magazine. So like writing features, like that was kind of like what I really liked. So I kind of wrote for the feature section of that newspaper and got to really highlight a lot of stuff that was happening in the, in the County at the time. And, you know, that was like, now I'm dating myself. That was like 2003-ish. Okay. Um, 2003, 2004. Um, so Gwinnett County was starting to get more cultured. Right, I'll, I'll say, right, right. Like Pleasant Hill, what you see now was not Pleasant Hill back yes, then. Yes, agreed. Um, <laughs> and it, it was just like, you know, even like I was the only like staff writer that was not white mm. for that paper of our county. It was kind of shocking, but they were like, you know, what is happening to Pleasant Hill? You know, they're, they're just like, there's so many Asian businesses happening. So, I mean, I loved it. Like, like highlighting restaurants or, you know, introducing people to what boba tea is at that time. Wow. Like a lot of stuff that I, I was like, dude, you don't know this. Um, so <laughs> way before K barbecue or BBQ, but it was, it was cool. Except you know, they offered me a full-time job and it was like, I looked at the, the offer letter and I was like, wait, is there a zero missing in this? $25,000 a year? (laughs) Like, I don't know if I can even survive at that living at home. So, um, long story short, I decided, like, I just made a decision to kind of move outside of Georgia. I've, you know, lived in Georgia all my life since then. And I was like, you know, let's just do it now or never. So I went to DC. Mm. And so DC was like close enough from home, but far enough 
um, to where I could like kind of, you know, uh, live on my own and all that good stuff. And of course, DC, it's just like government jobs are everywhere. And that was kind of like the norm. A lot of friends that I met or knew were in government. And I'm like, Mm. what is that about? Like, in Georgia, it's like, you never think like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a federal government worker. Sure. (laughs) Really cost your mind. So um, I worked at the DC mayor's office for a little bit temporarily. I knew that was like a temporary gig because they needed somebody for like a couple months. And so I was like, wow, this is cool. You know, at the time they had a office of Asian and Pacific Islander affairs. I worked in there, kind of got a little taste of what it's like to be in a metropolitan area with, you know, um, just a lot of people from different backgrounds and meeting them. And I was like, this is cool. Um, But I knew that was temporary. So I just literally got online and I I did like job searches and um, I ended up on the federal government site, like usajobs.gov. That's okay. a portal for how people can apply for a government job. And I originally thought I was applying for a grant writer because I was like, okay, I'm going to still kind of stick to my journalism roots. It was not that. Um, but like I became like a grants clerk and then a grants management official. And then I was there for like five years in DC. And all of a sudden I just got homesick. So I was like, okay, I got to move back home, but what do I do? Like, I need to find a job. So um, at that time in DC, I was working at the National Institutes of Health. So that's also big in the news, Dr. Fauci, you know, like all that. And um, so NIH and CDC, they're like sister agencies under Health and Human Services. So I really feel like this was a God thing, but I found a job at CDC in Atlanta that was the same exact kind of job that I was doing at NIH, Um, so I just applied and, you know, they were like, when can you move, move back? And I was like, uh, next month, maybe. So, um, I came to CDC as a grants management specialist in global HIV AIDS. So that's kind of how I started. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's insane. It, it doesn't make any sense of like, how no, I got. it doesn't, you know, <laughs> it doesn't make and any sense. I, I, I'm telling you, it was just like a series of um, happenings that, wow. you know, just led me to where I am now. So that's crazy. Okay. Well, I'm going to yeah. have to ask you a few questions about your story. <laughs> um, and I hope that I remember a lot of it, but then starting from even just the very beginning, um, mm-hmm. I found it really interesting that your parents, um, kind of fostered and wanted you to do something that you enjoyed. Um, And the reason I find that interesting or worth talking about is because I do feel like a common um, pattern in Asian American families, um, even I would even go, I mean, I only can speak honestly to my Korean American background. But yeah, like I feel like a lot of parents, you know, push their kids to be one career minded or, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially I, and I and I would go as far as to say is that a lot of parents that I know and families that I know, they don't really foster the creative sides of their mm-hmm. kids because they want them to be doctors and lawyers right. and successful and to make money, which mm-hmm. is all at I, as a new mom myself. I don't <laughs> you know, like I understand it. I understand it. You know, wanting to succeed in the eyes of the world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, I was curious to. Yeah, like what was that relationship like with your parents? And mm-hmm. do you know why, looking back on it, that they 
really did want you to find something that you loved? Man, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like, you know, my parents were not the typical Asian immigrant parents, I guess you'll say. Um, so my dad, like I said, he was a pastor. Um, but before that, he was just like a regular businessman um, in Atlanta. And so they immigrated here in the 70s. And um, so they've been here forever. But I don't know, like if it was just maybe immersing their, their themselves in the culture here or trying mm -hmm. to assimilate and trying to see different views or whatever. But like, I just remember ever since I was growing up, it would be like, what do you want to be? What do you like? And then going from there. So I remember it, it, I mean, I did take piano lessons, mm -hmm. you know, like um, they did try to foster that uh, side of me, but I was like, no, I'm not practicing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for me. Um, they tried to enroll me in art classes and I was like, I can't draw, you know? So yeah, yeah. I think when they finally saw, like I would write stories and, um, you know, I remember like in third grade or something, there was some writing contest and I had won or something like that. And so they were like really excited and they're like, maybe this is the path. I don't know. But I feel like they just saw they wanted me to be happy. And mm. I think they saw that I was happy when I was writing mm. and they just wanted to see where that led, I guess. Um, but even for me, it was like, I kind of forgot about that a little bit. So mm. when I got to high school and they were like, you know, why don't you do newspaper? I'm like, mm, okay. Like oh, I kind of forgot about, you know, my writing passion or whatever oh, it was wow. back then. Wow. So it kind of rekindled there. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of what I like. I, yeah. I like this. So I don't know if it was just, you know, like my mom, she worked at a, um, at First Union Bank in North Carolina when my dad was in seminary. And so she was kind of um, making the money. And um, I guess they were just exposed to a different, you know, like mm -hmm. living in the South mm -hmm. as um, an immigrant and just experiencing a lot of things. Maybe, I don't know, like I should ask them, like, why, why did you make me um, do? I no, it. I mean, <laughs> just listening to you talk, I obviously, I, I do think your parents probably had a different mindset than those that are maybe immigrated here later in life as well. Mm -hmm. um, I can kind of relate. My parents immigrated here actually when they were much younger, like in middle school and high school. And so um, like I grew up very American uh, in a very American culture household. And so I can relate to what you're saying. I think uh, from what you're telling me, it just sounds like that your parents really, really cared and loved you. Not to say that <laughs> others don't, but I think they were able to have an open mind mm -hmm. and I mean, and just be able to push you to do things. I think it's cool that they reminded you to go like, hey, why don't you check out newspaper? I know. I mean, <laughs> well, yes, they're wise. Yeah, <laughs> they're that's so wonderful. I mean, I even, so this is a side story, but like I even in middle school one day, I was just tired of people mispronouncing my name. Uh -huh. So I just showed up in middle school and I was like, my name's Catherine. And like the teachers <laughs> didn't ask for any paperwork. They were just like, all right, Catherine. So I stuck with Catherine from middle school all the way through high school. So my diploma, my high school diploma says Catherine Ina G. That has, it's like, there's no basis on that at all. But my parents <laughs> were like, if you want to be called Catherine, go right ahead. And so 
I think they were just like, let's see what this girl wants to do and let her do it. But Man, like, it- what a blessing. <laughs> That's great. I'm like taking, you know, tips right now. Yeah. Like let my, my kid wants to be called something else. Why not? I mean, not too crazy, but you know. <laughs> no, no. But still, I think that's really cool that they were able to give you the freedom that you needed to yeah. pursue something that they knew you would be not only love but like be happy with and yeah. but the thing the crazy thing is that's not what you ended up doing <laughs> <laughs> I know I chased money no I'm kidding no no <laughs> I think like also the other part of me growing up was like I want a stable career mm. so that was the other side of me that was kind of fighting with my passion I guess um and so you know growing up as a PK a pastor's kid like you kind of experience like, I don't know how much money we're going to have next week sure, or next yeah. month. And I think in my mind, it was like, I want to know exactly how much I'm going to make, you know, when I'm going to get paid and mm. the stability of that. So I think for me, like, I really enjoyed journalism. I really enjoyed like writing stories and meeting people. And like I told you, like that unpaid internship turned into $6, turned into $25,000 a year. And I was like, <laughs> okay, let me just see what else is out there. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't have never said growing up, like, I want to be a federal government worker. But um, kind of the path that led me to where I am now, it was, it was, you know, it was just like, okay, I enjoy what I do now. You mm-hmm. know, don't get me wrong that I'm like, uh, miserable or something. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it is different from what I what thought I would do and wanted mm-hmm. to do in the beginning. Sure. Um, but I'm still like fortunate to like, I meet a lot of people. <laughs> um, I don't write stories about them, but you know, I try to help them in the capacity that we have as far as whether it's funding or um, the resources that we have in our division. Mm. Um, but it is different. And um, like, I have thought about doing um, journalism or writing some articles as a side gig, but I'm like, oh, man, I don't have time for that right now. Right, so right. I push it off, but I mean, who knows? We'll see. No, absolutely. It's <laughs> like the life still grows every single day, I feel like. But um, what I was going to say, so you mentioned that, yeah, like even though you weren't satisfied with that paycheck at the Gwinnett post Mm -hmm. and you decided to explore other things Mm -hmm. I feel like that's that's a dilemma or kind of like a heart struggle with with a lot of young people today right it's like pursuing what they love Mm -hmm. and then like making decision to not pursue that but to find a stable job however you said you found something that you enjoy, you know, and what would you like, I guess any, do you have any advice for that? You know, like, it's like, you know, there's one part, it's like, oh, like, you love it, but it's not, it's not paying you enough. Like, would you say, like, go find something else? Or is it kind of like a personal thing? Do you get I'm asking you? Sorry, it's like, my thoughts are a little bit scattered. I, like, for me, it was, I thought about that a lot. Like Mm. when they made that offer to me, you know, do you want to be on staff? And that was kind of what my end, I thought my angle was at the time. And I think for me, because I want to say I'm like risk adverse, right? So I'm like doing the math, (laughs) like, uh, can I live off of $25,000 a year? I think not. Um, So I think for me at the time when I made the decision to leave, um, 
I was like, I'll put that on hold, you know, Mm. like, let's see what happens. So when I first moved to DC, you're so brave. I, just, I don't know, brave, <laughs> but you know, I was in my twenties, so yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Whatever adjective you want to use for twenties, but um, I was like, listen, you know, I'll put that on hold and see what happens. And like when I got to DC, it took me like a couple months to find my first job there. Um, and so in the meantime, I did kind of do a little freelancing for one of the the newspapers there, and I enjoyed that, right? Because I met a lot of people, and they had interesting careers or yeah, you know, backgrounds, yeah. and so it was it was really cool to just um, kind of do that a little bit. Um, mm. And I guess that was my transition into all right. Now I'm going to have a salary job that yeah. it's not really what I used to do, but um, it's for me. I feel like I find other ways to maybe get that journalism, that writing piece out. So whether it's journaling and it's just for me or it's writing something on social media, which I really don't do. But when I do, you know, that's kind of my outlet, I guess, um, for now. But um, like even at work, like when I did the deployment for the communications team, like I did a little bit of writing. So I was kind of like, figuring out again like okay what would be my next step because I feel like I'm always thinking about that like where do I want to go from here mm-hmm. um you know so I've been in this position for about five years now mm-hmm. and it's kind of like I like what I do I love the people that I work with but I'm always open to yeah, opportunities absolutely and you know you just never know so I think this is just me even though I'm risk adverse like don't be afraid to um venture out you know like mm-hmm. you never know how the cross the paths may cross again or like mm-hmm. how those tie into one another later mm-hmm. but um yeah like it's it's crazy like when I think about my path like never would I've imagine that I'd be where I am now so yeah absolutely absolutely yeah I feel like um that is kind of the theme of my entire podcast normally it's like people don't really realize they have a plan and then the plan doesn't go according to plan and then they (laughs) and they and they love what they do currently you know and so on that note can you tell me what it is that you love most about your job gosh I I would say that I work with a great group of people and I really love CDC's mission. I love public health. I never Mm. thought I would, but um, I really believe in it, you know, and it it just makes me really happy to know, like, even though I'm not on the front lines, you know, I'm not like out in the field or I'm not doing sample stuff or I'm not an epidemiologist, but I help in a way that helps them get to where they need to go or gives them money that they need for resources to help with whatever outbreak or disease or, you know, um, training. Um, so I do feel fulfilled in like knowing that I am part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so CDC is an agency that I really believe in. Um, Mm -hmm. so I really like that. That's awesome. No, I mean, I could get behind that. (laughs) Um, just out of curiosity, Ina, so the people that are on, like, that you're deploying or you're um, kind of allocating the resources for, are these doctors or, like, you mm-hmm. mentioned the word training too. Like, can I ask you what that looks like? What is training? Yeah. So um, we have staff in our division and okay. they're like um, 
they can be MDs or they can be uh, vets or whatever, but not everybody, they can be like a scientist, right? Mm. Um, but the fellowships, some of them are, I think most of them are postdoctoral fellowships. Oh, okay. So it's like they have done the schooling and now it's like the hands-on stuff. Wow. Um, and so even though they're done with schooling, there's a lot of training as far as like, you know, we've started we've started to implement like training that you don't get in schools, um, whether it's something about like uh, speaking to the press mm. or um, something about, you know, like um, implicit bias. Like we're starting to incorporate more about things with current events that we see that are issues happening, right? Oh, wow. So okay. it, it, like they can't learn some, some things from textbooks, but we have like some trainings where they have a classroom setting or some kind of um, week-long course that they're in and they learn about different parts of um, like a presentation, how to give a presentation, Um, just kind of skill sets, I guess, um, to add to that. Wow, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like sometimes I want to sit in on the training and be like, I want to learn this. Yeah, Um, so these like kind of, I guess, further education type of programs are, um, do you and your team come up with these programs or are they something that the CDC has readily available? So the CDC has um, their own training stuff, but we also like kind of look at outside vendors if there's something that we really need and um, that we don't have available in-house. So it's kind of a mixture of both. Okay, cool, man. That's really neat. Um, Okay, then what do you like least about your job? (laughs) Gosh, if you asked me a year ago, (laughs) so I mentioned like I am a supervisor Uh and um, it was really hard for me in the beginning. It was kind of like trial by fire. Mm. So um, I originally got into this position when somebody asked me like, would you be interested in being this program management official for a detail? So kind of like a um, a temporary basis, a trial period. Okay. And um, I was like, okay, I'm up for the challenge. And when I did that, at the time, I wasn't supervising anybody. Mm. And then when I applied for the official position, I was like, all right, so here you go. And also, by the way, you're going to manage eight people. <gasps> um, so uh, like for me, I was like, what does that even look like? I don't even know. Like, I'm an only child. I don't have children. Like, I am more like, you know, in, like extroverted introvert. So what is all this like people touchy-feely stuff? Um, but like, it was hard in the beginning because I didn't know how to be a good manager. I didn't know how to be a supervisor. And um, I had wished that I was better equipped, better prepared for that. And, you know, half of the stuff was like learning on the job. But the other half, you know, you could get a little sense of, okay, this is kind of the 101s of being a manager. There's nothing that they give you, you know, when you're a new supervisor, you just have to take all these courses throughout the year. So for me, that would have been the hardest part like a year ago. Mm. Um, But I was able to kind of like build that relationship with the group and, Mm -hmm. you know, earn trust, but also have trust for them. And so it was... It was a learning process, um, but I, I think like it's kind of like a sweet spot right now. So mm-hmm. we work really well as a team, um, but it's for me, like meeting a lot of people is great, um, but you also learn personalities um, and especially just in a virtual setting right now, like CDC has been working remotely since last March, right? Like right, March. right. 
Um, and it's kind of like, we've had new people on board. Like there's people you've never met in person. And that's crazy. it's kind of the challenging part of having to have meetings with people that you're not really familiar with, but you mm. have to, you know, just get through it and be like, all right, so here's business. Um, this is what we need to talk about. Um, and kind of figure out like, you're, you're not only like working, but you're also kind of figuring out each other. Right. So that, um, that people skill. Um, so I think for me, because I'm more like, I like to be behind the scenes, you know, um, it's, it's like the challenging part for me would be like, there's a lot more zoom, there's a lot more video stuff and you have to do presentations or you have to speak at meetings. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't like that. I'm not camera ready. Yeah. (laughs) seriously (laughs) I'm sure it's been I mean for introverts around the world this is like the worst thing ever to have like virtual meetings every single day but man that's intense I feel like um man I so I didn't realize that you were supervising a whole entire team um as you were talking but I mean I'm sure that's really challenging especially having people that literally come to you for for like okay what do I do next yeah um like for me I had a vacancy in a position that was Loretta the administrative officer okay so when she was not in the picture it was just me okay um you know like it's it's like I'm not a subject matter expert on all these things, right? Mm. I just see, I know the high level. I kind of know like a little bit of everything, just enough to be dangerous. But, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. if they're like, I need help with this system, or I don't know Mm -hmm. how to process this thing. I'm like, I don't either. (laughs) I had to build that trust with them, but not knowing exactly like all the ins and outs of their data. Sure, yeah. And they were all, they're all older than me. So I'm sure they're just like, who are you to be telling me what to do? You know, a little bit of that. Not everybody was like that, but it's a little bit of just having them um, to have confidence. Like I can, you know, be a good manager for them and that they can come to me with anything. But, you know, it's not just work related stuff. It's kind of like, you bring a little bit of your personal life to work. And so it's, it's dealing with that too, like conflict or, Mm. you know, like other stuff, non-work related issues that come up. And I'm just like, I don't know. So, so yeah. Wow. Um, (laughs) uh, know, can I ask you, so you don't have to have any like medical knowledge or any about medicine to do what you do? Mm-mm. Okay. So that's kind of the thing about, you know, like you mentioned, when you think of CDC, you think of like hazmat suit, you think of a yeah. lab, you think of the <laughs> science, right? Yeah. And, um, that's what I thought of too first. But then there's like the other half, you know, which is like management operations. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like, I think, like, I, I think I've asked all of my cokers, like, what was your major in college? Like, I got anything from like history to, (laughs) you know, like um, computer science, but they're not doing computer science, you know, just like um, poli sci, art, you know, a lot of these backgrounds that for us, it's kind of like if somebody sees potential in you or if you, you know, build your skill set and you like say, okay, you know, I can do it and you show that you can do it. I think it's like, half of it is on the job training, like at at least for what I do, you know, like I literally 
had to learn more about pivot tables with Excel because I was like, I don't even know budget. I don't even know what's going on with this, but I wanted to kind of challenge myself and, you know, like kind of stretch myself of, all right, like learn a new skill set. And they had confidence in me that I would be able to do it. So I was grateful for that. But it's like, that's the other thing about CDC. There's just so many resources available um, Mm. as far as like personal development and professional development, right? So it's like, if you want to learn something, chances are you can pretty much, you know, get the resource or the training that you need. Oh, wow. That's really good to know. Um, You know, I'm curious about one last thing before we wrap up our time together. Um, I don't want to keep you for too long. So um, if somebody were were thinking about like a management position similar to yours, um, kind of doing what you're doing, what do you feel like are some like good like personality traits or characteristics to have, like strengths? Mm. Man, um, well, like you don't have to love math because there's always like Excel and stuff, but like organization, I would say, you know, if you're able to prioritize, if you're able to kind of work under pressure, Mm. like there's things, like I said, those fires that come up every day look different and it could be something as small as, you know, I need equipment or this travel needs to be approved today or we have, you know, $500,000 that we need to find so that we can pay for something. So it's kind of like being able to like have all of those competing priorities in an order where you're able to just organize them into your head or your thoughts and know the resources. Like you may not know the answer to everything and you probably won't, but if you know the resources to say, hey, so for this issue, this person is your go-to or the point of contact is this, or I know where you can find this. It's just like, I guess, you know, being resourceful with what you have as well. Um, mm. It You don't need a degree in this, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if someone kinda... were to study this, what would they study? But I guess um, you <laughs> saying that makes it sound extremely accessible. And I feel like this job, obviously, with the amount of interviews I've done, I feel like every job I've never really, really thought deeply about, right? But <laughs> um, until I interview them. But um, um, yeah, I feel like this job in particular, you know, I don't even realize... Uh, so many behind the things, behind the scenes things have to happen for mm-hmm. um, whether it's the CDC or any company to move forward and make progress and help people. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really it's been really cool to hear about what you do, Ina. Before we end our time together, um, do you have any advice for people listening? Um, it could be about your job, but or just any life advice in general. Man, (laughs) I feel like you gave us a lot of good tidbits here and there. Um, My favorite one, I think, was, you know, just about trying new things and being open. But in addition to that, do you have anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, I guess I would say one last thing is, you know, as a journalist, I met a lot of people and you just don't know all the experience that a person has, right? Their background, where they're from. And so to really tap into people around you and just Mm -hmm. talk to them, get to know them. Like you never know if that person will like give you like this great piece of advice that you'll use later in life, or if they'll just give you insight to 
maybe something that you are kind of struggling with, like, what is my next step in my career? You know, like I've met so many interesting people that I never would have thought like, you know, to have a conversation with, but like, I have learned that you just never know, um, you know, what kind of story a person has and how it's, it's helped me, but it's not just like a give or a take kind of thing, but you also share your story and you help others, like kind of like what you're doing with this podcast, right? Like it's so, I think I wish I had talked to more people like when I was younger and not just, um, you know, to my friends or my, my, um, you know, known people, I guess in my, in my people group, but just like talking to my coworkers that I used to work with, or just, getting to know more about like, you know, somebody that I see that I want to be right. Like, Hey, can I pick your brain or can I just ask you a couple questions? Or do you mind if, um, I just, you know, take like an hour of your day to ask you some career related questions or things like that. So I've learned to do that. And I, you know, want to pay that forward too. So I'm, you know, maybe like an informal mentor mentee kind of thing, you know, having that mindset of, yeah, let me learn from others. Yeah. Would you be open to that if someone's listening today and they're like, man, I'd love to talk to Ina more about life and her job. Would, would it be okay if I connected you? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm sure it's like, now, what does that mean? So, cause I'm like, I will tell my mom every day what I do. <laughs> like every day she'll say like, <laughs> Oh yeah, you do grants, right? I'm like, no, I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. And so, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to talk with Mm. people who have like interest in things or they want to know more about stuff of, you know, like stuff that we, or maybe I just didn't tap into when I was younger. Right. Like I was just like, what do I do? And then I just Google, or I was, you know, just thinking like, what do I like to do? But you just never know, like when you share a story, when you listen to somebody's story, like, man, that's good. Like, that sounds interesting. I want to know more about it. So yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I completely resonate with everything that you just said. I mean, I think that's kind of the reason, another reason why I started this podcast too, is to just be able to share people's stories. And because I feel like a lot of people don't have access, right, to the resources or the different types of people and different careers and uh, opportunities um, to hear their stories. Um, but I, I'm about to get on my soapbox for a second because it's like, you know, I feel like with younger generations, it's just getting harder, like to talk to people in person, right? With like technologies and screens and phones. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just like, even though people are more accessible through technology, I feel like we're talking less and Mm -hmm. having less conversation. And so everything you just said, I'm like, yes, like preach girl. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I mean, I mean, granted, I feel like, you know, because of your interest in journalism and telling people's stories, like there's more of an intrigue for you. But truly, like anybody can ask anybody, you know, the worst. I think for me, the biggest fear is like just people kind of saying no or like not responding to talking to me. Right. But I think even Mm. for asking like for example, the podcast, right? Like finding mm-hmm. more guests to come on. There's this fear mm-hmm. of rejection on my side. But however, how would you know if you don't ask? And I think um, mm-hmm. for people listening today, 
Um, if you are a young person listening, yeah, like take Ina's advice and don't be afraid to just <laughs> ask people and listen to their stories because I, I certainly learned a lot from you today, Ina. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is great. <laughs> yeah, it was my pleasure. Um, hey, guys, if you want to chat with Ina, um, yeah, feel free to reach out to me through DM and I'll be able to connect you. Um, or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>